Hey, this is Kevin. I'm coming to Barbecue Joints, and welcome to Kevin's Barbecue Joints Podcast. And I'm excited to bring you episode six of Wine and Barbecue. It's a show that I co-host with Aaron Fijas from Fijas Barbecue in Houston, Texas. They have a location in Spring Branch, which has a curated wine menu. And they also have their previous location, their first location in Greenway Plaza. And I always put links below to both those places. And we are so excited to have Rajet Paran from Phelan Farms in Cambria, California. He has a number of other wine projects. He is world-renowned for his abilities as a sommelier. And now he has shifted gears, still in the wine business. He's a farmer now. He and his partner handle from beginning to end. And their first bottling is coming out. I'll put a link below to their order form where you could order by the bottle or in groups that they've put together. But this one is fantastic. Since the very beginning when Aaron and I started the show, Rougette was somebody that we wanted to talk to because of his knowledge, because of his passion, and because he's such a great guy. So when I reached out to him, he wanted to focus more on farming because that is what he does. And the pandemic, he gets into it how he went deeper into farming. This is great because I think that you guys will learn so much about farming. I didn't know much about farming and the way that they handle their farming, the way that they do their farming. He goes into things such as dry farming, regenerative farming, not using pesticides, working on the soil and how important the soil is and having animals involved, it's, it's complex and wonderful. And I know that after you listen to this portion with Raj, you're gonna have a lot more knowledge when it comes to, to what he is doing with his farming and his connection with nature and his connection with the soil. So, I, I, so this one's awesome. I don't wanna take up too much time. So one big thing that's happening with Fijis is they are available on Gold Belly. They have never had that before. They'll be shipping all of their meats as well as sides and sides they've never shipped before on Gold Belly. I'll put a link below to their page for Gold Belly. They also have special packages with Gold Belly. And then on their original website, you can still order online for the restaurant as well as merchandise. But all the food that you'll be shipping nationwide will be available at Gold Belly. So that's really cool. They also have a special Frito pie that Patrick has been working on the recipe for what Aaron says is years. So that's killer. That's awesome. I can't wait to try that. They also have bowls at both locations. They have the Fiji's bowl at both locations, as well as the chef's bowl additionally at the Spring Branch location. And Erin gives a special way to order the way that she likes to order it, which is a way that a lot of people have been ordering it. So check the latter part of this interview for that portion. They also have barbecue classes, which is something they've never done before. It's already sold out for the one that's coming up. And they're small classes, 12 people only. So that way you get a more intimate and hands-on approach to what they're doing. There's going to be another one after they've received feedback from this first one. So if you're interested, sign up for the newsletter or email springbranch at fijesbbq.com to get on a wait list. It's announced in the newsletter before it gets announced social media-wise. So most of the people that signed up for the 12 spots were from the newsletter. And we talk about a couple rosés. It's a great, great episode. I know you're going to enjoy it. I can't thank Raj enough for taking the time to sit down with Aaron and I because it's really, really special to have a chance to talk with him. And if you're in Houston or traveling to Houston, make sure you visit both the Spring Branch and the Greenway Plaza location. Very quickly, I have a website at kevinsbbqjoints.com. I update it all the time, tons of stuff. If you're enjoying these, please subscribe. At the end, stay safe and visit your local barbecue joint. So I'd love for you to kind of introduce yourself, Raj. Tell, tell us a little bit about yourself and then 
I'd love to talk about some of the projects that you're, you do a lot of wine projects. You've been in the wine world for a long time. What are some of the things that you are currently like most excited about? And we'd love to learn as much about them as we can. So I'm based in Cambria, California, California coast. I've lived in California since 96, started as a sommelier in San Francisco, and then uh, started three, uh, I started a few wine labels with my partner, Sashi Mormon. We have Sandy. Uh, started in 09, Domaine de la Co, we started in 2011, and then Evening Land we took over in 2014. So those three is something I've been focused on uh, the last decade or so, um, and they continue to thrive, and, and thanks to all the support, and uh, everything is going pretty well, and, and even though we've had these crazy couple of years. And then during the you know pandemic, I kind of uh, since we, no one's traveling, I'm like, you know, I, I should, uh, I really wanted to get deeper in connection with nature. And, and so I decided to farm uh, a property, which we used to uh, lease for Sandy. And then I personally leased it. And, and it's in Cambria. It's uh, this little canyon where I am currently. And we have 11 and a half acres of vines and half an acre of apples. And this is where I spend most of my time, most of my days. I, I do go back and forth to to Lompoc, whether the wineries are in mm -hmm. Oregon, less so. But I'm here and we uh, focus on some, uh, some eclectic, I would say, or some unusual varieties for California. They don't, Definitely. They don't grow up. And then I kind of, you know, institute uh, regenerative farming, try to be as connected with nature as possible in this little kind of place, which is in, in the wilderness and in, in yeah. between these hills and forests. Yeah. You mentioned the varietals that you guys are working with, and I did some research. So a lot of stuff, a lot of Jura influence. Um, yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. Is Did you just, are those grapes that you're... In, interested in or did you just think they would do really well there yeah you know both I thought I was, I was interested in them and uh I really wanted to like you know have them here and this place also is unusual because it's July right now and it's 59 degrees outside right now it's foggy it was uh, almost like a wet drizzle this morning yeah. Uh, so it's it's kind of a place that you could you could grow these varieties. It never gets too hot, or it's you know also doesn't get that cold. We get to freezing, but it's not. There's no snow because we're only three and a half miles from the ocean. Mm -hmm. So it has a kind of a very extreme and cool climate, uh, and these varieties do well. It's also very challenging to farm the way. I mean. With, with the holistic methods we use, it's, you don't use any chemicals or anything. They don't need to use any, any sulfur in, in, our, in our farming. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's because of the, of the weather, it's kind of more challenging than, than, than some other places I've been here. And yeah, the varieties, you know, there's some varieties I, 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 I brought over and then some have been in California for a hundred years, like Trousseau and Mondo's. Mm -hmm. These are varieties have been in California and then some that haven't been like Pulsard and Savinia and Mencia, which is from Spain. Yeah, there's an eclectic mix of different different things, which I love. And we make small amounts of these wines and, and we're about to release our first vintage. That's very uh, exciting. Just, yeah. Do you have a favorite grape? You know, the 
the favorite grape always becomes the most challenging grape you have to farm. So, <laughs> you know, the one which really makes you like sweat and uh, that's uh, Pulsard. Mm -hmm. It's a grape that uh, originated in a small town in, in the Jura. And yeah, it's, 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 it's truly uh, gives you sleepless nights. And we have a little bit, we only have like, you know, less than a half an acre, but it's, I was just there this morning. It's just, it's. And what's, it's, I, I apologize. What's, what's the Jura? Where is the Jura? Uh, Jura is in, in France. <laughs> yeah. I know it's in France, but where, what's the area like? It's, is it? it's, it's not, it's, it's not far from Burgundy. So in the okay. center, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's just uh, not far from the Alps actually. Okay. And it's a kind of a, um, it's not super hilly, but there's, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, you have you ever had Comte cheese? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. So I used to, of, I used to be a cheese, cheese master. Cheese Great. Butter. So, yeah. so, so, so that, so that's, it's from, that's Comte comes from the Jura. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. That's Comte and Mondor. So yeah. So it's, it's of course more known for its, uh, for its cheese. And if they make a straw wine, they can make a little uh, yellow wine. They call Vengeon. Mm -hmm. that. so, so that's from that's what they're more famous for okay okay yeah. but then but then they also have other varieties like Sauvignon, Pulsard and Trousseau and those are less known because uh, the most you know the stuff that leaves uh, and all these are very small vineyards and and mostly available just out there in France and where Cambria it where you are in Cambria that's for people that on the coast in California there's uh, Hearst Castle, San Simeon. You're east of that, right? Yeah. So we are basically uh, right uh, right now, as we said, it's a five minute drive to Hearst Castle. Okay. I mean, I guess I get to go on the coast, but you know, the <laughs> yeah. crow flies maybe like this property actually used to be a J. The property extended all the way to Hearst Castle, where we are right now. Oh, really? And uh, wow. yeah, so it's beyond the coast, three and a half miles from the ocean. Yeah. The last episode we recorded was with Billy Durney, and we talked quite a bit uh, about Jura. We talked about you. We talked um, about a lot of stuff. So that's we my talked brain. about a lot of stuff, but <laughs> Jura. And sorry for calling you out on that, Kevin. But that's um, okay. You know, you should. <laughs> no, like we were talking about some of the regions that we're most excited about, and Billy's been travel you know he's traveled a lot so a lot of his wine experiences are very tangible because it's like him going and visiting places and that's really where his excitement stems from and so we were talking about you know planning a trip to the Jura I'm still waiting yeah. for that one to happen <laughs> yeah yeah you know it's 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 a kind of a, a sleepy little place because it's not um it's not well known because there's there's not a lot of commerce there it's just a small town is main town is Arboa and they have a nice chocolatier and they have some chocolate and then some cheese places and wow. there's yeah. not that many tasting rooms. And it's, you know, it, it reminds me of maybe Burgundy 20 some years ago, 25 years ago, even. Yeah. So of course now Burgundy is at a different level and Bajura is a small kind of very uh, rural and yeah. I want to talk about farming and I'll, I'll continue talking, but I'm curious because you were born in India, right? Yeah. Now, your your path could have gone like do you ever think about like your path could have gone everyone's path like yeah. i always think about our path and our choices that we yeah, make yeah, yeah. you think back like what would you if you had stayed in india do you think you'd even be involved with wine at all and you'd probably be something creative right yeah no uh since i was maybe 10 years old i wanted to be with food so i wanted to be a chef so my cousins had restaurants and i knew i would be in the restaurant world i just didn't know about the wine i didn't really have wine until i was 20 when i was in england so 
yeah, could have gone completely the other way, but I knew I would definitely would have been in hospitality. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what's, do you know that, yeah. you remember that epiphany, that wine that you had that made you go on this path? I know the epiphany wine, but I didn't, that was after I started working at Rubicon in, in 96. But oh. uh, I was a, a bar back, back then. Just, I knew I was interested in wine. But I just didn't know. I never had the profound wine. And that's when I had it. And I was like, ah, oh, this is wow, this is kind of wine. I can't even believe wine can taste like this. So it was, it was more about the curiosity of of wine. Still am. Still, I still get super curious. I buy more wine than I need to. I <laughs> oftentimes, you know, like it's often you open a bottle of wine and you like you have a glass or two and you're like, I you know, you can't do the whole bottle or three at some time. So you taste it and then you're like, okay. There we go. It's going to go down the drain. You came up in San Francisco primarily. That's where you you got a lot of your wine and hospitality experience, correct? Yeah, I lived there from 90s. I moved yeah, 96 till, yeah, I moved out to the end of 2013. Some of the restaurants you were working in, I was in culinary school around that time, like early 2000s. We would save up all of our money for like six months and then go eat like the fifth floor was a big deal um we went there and you know we were i was working at jamba juice on church and market so like to save up for that meal took took a lot of time but i was just reading some of the places you've been because i i've known who you are for a long time but i didn't know so much about your early background and I'm like, oh, we were probably eating there while he was working there. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 uh, it's been a it's been a really, you know, amazing journey to kind of being at the right place. I guess. I guess. I don't know. I'm just, just lucky. Just, just yeah. yeah. No, just just got kind of lucky that it happened that way. Uh, you know, you you many many blunders made on route, but. Uh, um, mostly everything just, yeah, it's kind of funny how we are now from, I, I, just from three years ago, it's such a, such a departure of a normal life for many of us. Yeah. Well, and, and something that I, that really touched on me when I read, because we interviewed Jordan and during this, Uh, for this book, it said that he said that you have almost a photographic memory. Do you feel like you have that, do you, of, about varietals and wine and terroir and, you know, I, I I guess so, but I you know I, I back then I used to practice also. I used to really kind of make an effort to uh, focus a lot of my, write a lot of notes and like you know now I now I you know I I can uh, I remember from just last season my look at the grapes. Oh yeah, this looked different last year. Or this this plant was you know I can tell you how each plant has been different over the last three years rather than seeing the wine. So yeah, I, I, I don't do that, many, that much blind tasting anymore. And you know, you lose practice also. It's something something you do and, you know, we used to do a lot of blind tasting and, and now it's, uh, sometimes I go to a restaurant, some friends of mine pour me something and tell me what it is. And you're like, and it's much harder now than it was 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, just, because there's so many different wines now. I was going to say so many places. You have a, you know, you would have wines from all over the place. And back in the day, it was just classics. And people yeah. like you growing different grapes in areas that probably right. you weren't <laughs> that, that were yeah, before. Yeah. yeah, that too. So experimenting yeah. with what you're doing now, how 
are you happier as a farmer? And because you said, I, I was looking at the website about five years ago that you really got into farming. Yeah, yeah, five years ago, but mostly it was only been two years because I've been oh. doing it, you know, you know, when, when you are telling someone what to do in a vineyard or a farm, it's not exactly like when you do it yourself. True. Right. And like if you, if you, and nothing against someone who wants to start a farm and have a consultant or two to kind of tell them what to do. And in this case, I just jumped in. I'm like, I have no idea what to do, but if I read enough books and talk to enough people and hear a lot of podcasts, hopefully I can figure it out. Mm -hmm. So, and also on, on, on a budget, you know, it's like, I don't, I couldn't, I, you know, so it was, it was, it's, it's been, a, it's been a really fun ride. It's been very uh, humbling as, as always, you, you're working with mother nature. So it's, uh, you know, you're always the number two. So you have to, you have to always remember that. With the respect you, that, you yes. do not, yeah. you do not, yeah, you do not, especially in the farming we do, we don't, you know, we don't impose our will on something. We, we, we let everything live and we kind of just dance along and, and hopefully we can stay caught up. What is dry farming? I'm sorry, Aaron. I dry farming is when we, we don't irrigate. Uh, California is unusual because, you know, vines need water. And in California, as you know, it doesn't, doesn't really rain much between May and October. And we have irrigations set up, but we haven't used it in, in a number of years now. There's no, no water at all, nothing. Nature is water. Uh, we don't, we don't, well, we I guess don't where you are, because I'm in Los Angeles, we get one, two days of rain a year. So it's. Yeah, no, no, it, it rains here. We, we get 25 inches of rain a year. Okay. So it's. No, but, but, you know, I was looking at the plants today and I'm like, yeah, this, this could use, and you know, some water. I'm like, you know, I just let them be, you know, it's, it's, it'll, it'll produce a smaller crop. The canopy is smaller. It's, it is what it is. I, I we, we, we try to stay on path of, of, you know, keeping a cover crop and, and, and trying, there's enough rain, I think. Mm -hmm. So it's, you can always have more. So what's been the most challenging part of the farming process for you everything <laughs> but uh, but honestly i think it's it's the it's the mildew pressure right now so mildew is a uh, airborne fungal infection mm -hmm. which spreads which spreads in uh, temperatures between 60 and 65 or 75 degrees 60 to 70 degrees and at a high moisture level and here being by the coast we're always in that zone, and yeah. uh, you can be. I mean, it can be treated by, you know, uh, a systemic. You know, it's like I. I would say, you know, if it's like if you have a headache, you know, you decide to drink water and and maybe have some an herbal tea or something, uh, or you decide to have an Advil. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's that. And and that and and and. You know that's the that's the difference. If you here we we don't spray anything. We don't you know, we we could spray other things, but we don't. Yeah. We spray mostly compost tea, and when it gets bad, we'll use a lupin extract and that kind of stuff. You know, we used milk last year, so that's been the the most challenging thing to to keep up with with that. Cause it's scary because it it comes yeah. really fast, and it could it could take out uh, a large part of the vineyard. 
So the grapes are getting too much moisture and the roots are potentially not getting enough. No, yeah, roots get enough. And it's just that when the, when the, when the moisture, they just, they stay on the vine longer. And basically, okay, so you have good microbes and bad microbes, mm -hmm. bac oh, bacteria, fungi, and uh, mildew is considered in the bad camp. But you have plenty of good guys. So we always hope that the good guys outcompete the bad guys. And mildew is one of the bad guys. So we don't want to like necessarily kill the mildew. We're going to keep the mildew at bay mm -hmm. and let the good guys get stronger on the leaves. Yeah. So on the cannabis, on, on the grapes, because they, they move really fast and they like, they like this cloudy weather we have right now. And they like to be in this, you have 90% humidity right now. Uh, there's no sunshine. So they, but, but once, if, if it becomes above 85, 90 degrees, mildew is gone. It gets, it gets burnt off. But we don't always get that in July. So, and, but, you know, our, our idea here, again, is to, you know, focus on the plant and make the plant stronger. So we are using lots of compost extracts in the vines and we are, you know, using lots of herbal remedies trying to keep the plant stronger. So it's, like, it's like our immune system, mm -hmm. keeping our immune system stronger. So when, when we eat something or drink something which is maybe harmful, our natural immune system will fight back. So our micro, keep our microbiome strong. So same thing with the plant. Yeah. So we keep them yeah, strong. So I, you talked about the regenerative farming. You use examples like you guys aren't using sulfur. Explain a little bit of what that means specific for you guys on your farm. Yeah, regenerative farming is a... Um, basically that there are different pillars of regenerative farming and, and uh, of course uh, organic is the basic so no synthetic applications in the vineyard uh, no tilling so we don't we don't plow the land we let the cover crop retain the moisture uh, and again keep the activity the microbacteria activity happening under the ground and then we use animals so we have uh, sheep uh, living in the vineyard in the in the uh, the off season after picking and before but like around bud break and then we have chickens and and those are kind of the basics of of regenerative farming so we okay. regenerate and and try to focus on soil health mm -hmm. that's a number one i think even thinking of now the, the wine we produce is maybe a secondary objective the primary objective is to regenerate soil and and since we are enough kind of a forest situation here so the idea is to mimic nature as much as possible so you know we don't we don't cut any of the vines we don't trim them we don't you know we do plenty because human interference is is, is important in the vineyard because vines grow wild and then they kind of also have all the other issues so you know we do we, we, we prune and you know shoot thinning and th those are all that's all human intervention, but we try to stay as close to nature as, as possible. You mentioned there's mention of two farmers that you that are sort of mentors or that you've looked. It, there's Masanobu uh, Fukuoka, Fukuoka. Uh, Fukuoka, and then Dr. Elaine Ingham. Yeah, yeah, both of them very. Uh, Fukuoka's idea is natural farming, so same kind of regenerative idea, and and he. Uh, believe that Mother Nature will take care of of the plants you grow, and you don't have to intervene with, you know, like irrigation or 
different things. So that the, he 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 truly believed in in that, and and he's written uh, several books, and and he's uh, you know he he was in Japan when he when he lived, and his his farm is still still there. And many people have kind of even in India, where I'm from, and 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 other parts of the world, people have kind of taken the idea from of of that. And regenerative farming is kind of that the same similar kind of idea. Okay. Uh, though he didn't have animals, the only thing he didn't have, which is which is, uh, I guess, where he was. And Dr. Elaine Ingham, uh, she has a soil food web, mm-hmm. and and she is. Uh, explaining what really is happening with the microbe, with the bacteria, fungi, and how they kind of help the plant, and very much like you know anti-systemic, uh, you know herbicides, pesticides, and there's many people who are like that. But I kind of follow her idea more because she is again on soil health and really to increase, um, you know, our good. Are good guys, the good microbes under under the under the vine, and and really keeping the plant healthy and working with nature, and and not changing the path. So they both have been are instrumental. I still listen to uh, as many uh, podcasts as Dr. Elaine Ingham has. I've been lucky to speak to the, speak with her, and of course I've read all the books. She has a great I, website too. I, I looked at it. A couple of days ago yeah website and and we have, have some friends who taken the course and we work with one person uh, who is uh, who works there closely it's 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 very it's, you know it's it's amazing is the one thing you learn is patience you know it's like you, can, you can't rush it mm-hmm. yeah and, and and that's that's uh that's something uh We've been so fast, you know, in my previous life. Fast, let's go here, let's fly here, let's do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, with 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 growing things, it's, everything is slow. Well, and That's... with yeah, with with COVID. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, with with the pandemic, and then with with what you're doing now, your lifestyle. I, even though you said you were up at six in the morning, but you're it's a different lifestyle than you had before. Oh, 100%. It's so different. You know, always traveling and one meal to the next, bottle to the next destination. And and those were thrilling days. But uh, here, waking up and, you know, checking on your plans. And when you have the, you know, you have a little mildew outbreak, you're like, you're checking all the babies, make sure they all are kind of okay. You're like, I know you got, it's like, it's like, oh yeah, you got a little cold there. You got a little fever there. It's okay. It'll take care of itself. You know, like things like that. Things things we think about because, you know, plants are very much in the same pattern as us humans. We just uh, can walk around and have a different consciousness. But every plant has a consciousness. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that. I believe every variety has a consciousness. I, You know, there's been many studies done on this. So it's very... You know, I see it. I see how how you know you see a plant, and you know, oh, this is really it's a weak plant, and it's struggling. And then you have to kind of work with them and prune them differently, and and you know maybe do different soil applications there with with compost teas and extracts, and you know give them the best chance to revive. Well, and there's been and studies that that trees communicate with each other. Hundred percent, trees communicate. Well, that's that's like I think that's special because. Our vineyards, most of the vineyards are surrounded by trees in some cases in its entirety. And, uh, you know, it's all uh, connected. Not like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's fascinating. I interrupted you, Aaron. I'm sorry. No, no. <laughs> I, 
I love this. I was going to just say, you know, we're a wine and barbecue podcast. And one of the things that we, it kind of comes up a lot, I think in every episode, because it's just the foundation of what barbecue is, but it's so similar to wine, particularly farming, but even the wine making process, because barbecue, it slows you down. Like I'm a chef. I come from a fast paced background. When you work in kitchens and restaurants, everything's about go, 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 go. And then I entered the barbecue world and everything is like, pause. Take the time. Yeah. Take some time. You like, you find your mind for a minute. Um, You make decisions and those decisions have outcomes that you won't understand for hours. Obviously in the, you know, in the vineyard, we're talking days, weeks, months uh, before you realize if your decision was good or bad, but it's, it's this really interesting way of just slowing down. And I think that's what people really like about barbecue, whether you do it professionally or, or you do it at home is because it's in, in the same way that farming and, and anything does, it forces you to pause. And there's something very peaceful about that pause. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, it's, it's so, you know, the previous home I lived in, I was renting from a, a friend of a friend and, and they had a fireplace and I used to cook in the fireplace every day, anything, vegetables or fish or birds, whatever. I would exclusively cook that and I'd cook, you know, use the stove a little bit. But I mean, it was just a different experience, mm-hmm. you know. And, and now that we don't have the fireplace, I just, I just, you know, it just feels so different. Just, yeah. Cooking, cooking in a cooking in an oven or on a stovetop, the experience is so different and uh yeah i i look forward to returning to cooking or a fireplace just and just to kind of like you know and and we were like blessed being in this forest here we used to make you know i used to get wood myself and you know mm-hmm. cut the wood take the wood yeah, out, hold the burner everything, everything i you know oak we had you know we, we only use the the trees that fell down and we have tons of oak here lots of oak here, here yeah so. Yeah, so it was it was really an experience to kind of really, you know, have your own pile of wood and you make your own, you know, yeah, build a fireplace, build a fire, and then you cook on it. So it was it was a, an experience. You started, you know, get home. The first thing you know, okay, you know, and it's always cold in Cambria, so a fireplace in July is not unusual. Mm-hmm. I need to move, I need to move to Cambria. It's I'm always- like it's over a hundred degrees in Houston right now. Yeah, it's like ninety eight right now. <laughs> That's already yeah no we have we have, we have no it's amazing no, central coast is beautiful it's uh, one uh, yeah no 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 air conditioning needed no um anything and you know here on this little little kind of canyon there's no phone or internet so there's one little spot here right now are you close to piedra sassi yeah so that's my that's my partner sashi and and melissa it's, it's their really? label yeah, yeah. So, so that those wines are made in the same place as Sandy and Dome de la Cote, Lampoc. Everything is made made uh-huh. there. So, definitely been connected. We had the Santa Rita Hills Syrah. I think it was the 2017. Oh, yeah. We had that on our. So, I I own a barbecue restaurant with a very small wine menu. So, we had 12 bottle, 12 wines on our menu. Everything was by the glass except for the Piedra Sassi. We were offering that by the bottle only, and it was. It was gone too quickly. I know, you know, limited production. So waiting until I can get some back. 
it was a very beautiful wine. And I really, it was one of the only wines we had on our list where I didn't really know a lot personally about the people behind it. Although I am familiar with Sashi, so I don't know how I didn't know that connection, but um, I just loved the, it, it's very similar to what you speak of, um, just the earth and being really respectful of, you know, what, what nature is providing and what nature has intended for things. And uh, um, I loved the fact that they also, you know, have a bakery and that there was this food, yeah, yeah, yeah. there was this, you know, really like rustic food element to, you know, what, what was being done. Yeah, no, Sashi is an amazing cook and we both come with cooking backgrounds and, and bread, which is the simplest thing, but the most complex thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, another form of fermentation and I mean all this cooking you know it's all fermentation barbecues all the slow the slow cooking and and marinade or whatever how you want to do it it's definitely all all in the same spirit yeah uh, I mean I I was uh I'm still waiting for Jordan to write a book uh, on barbecue and wine pairing, because I was trying to convince him. I see you, you've written all these books. You should, you know, you should definitely have. I told him, I said, we should go on tour and do like a little, you know, what one, why the best wines to have at barbecue. And there's, there's, there's yeah, Aaron, Aaron and I would ones. love to tag along. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be. <laughs> no, no, there's, there's, yeah, there's specific wines. You, mm-hmm. you know, think about like what, what really works the nuance, because, you know, sometimes, you know, when you, when you cook. Uh, with with fire on open fire with smoke, people think, oh yeah, it was only need smoky wine, and they forget mm-hmm. the other complexity and the the level of acidity that the food has, and you know yeah. it's not just people always just put like, oh yeah, have a big wine, and that'll be what's best with barbecue, and it's it's yeah. definitely not the case. Yeah, Aaron's open minds to that for sure. Without well, it's funny because this is one of the wines I pulled to talk about today. This is um, Reservoir from chocolate in northern Spain so we just put this on our list and we can talk about it more later but it's a really light-bodied wine and uh, it's a great barbecue pairing and I've always like wondered there's a reason beyond just like the scientific understanding of something and it occurred to me that like a lot of the really good food in northern Spain is really simple and it's cooked over direct flame you know it's wood it's a wood fire so of course you know, the wine in that region would lend itself to that style of cuisine. So it kind of, in some ways, just makes perfect sense, even though it's not a, it's not a straight line to get there when somebody is looking for something big and bold. And you're like, well, that's not really what we have on our menu because we've found great pairings that, that are not necessarily big and bold and that have a lot of character and story behind them. I, I like Rose Ball a lot. It's one of my, nice. I'm glad, I'm glad we could get that one on. In terms of freshness. Yeah. Super fresh, like strawberry fruit, a lot of salinity from the ocean. Are you guys seeing that in your wines because you're right there on the coast? Do you get? Oh yeah, that for salinity? sure. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely, you definitely, you definitely feel. We, we like we, we can't see the ocean from here, but if I just climb up up the hill, the ocean's right behind us. So this morning it's it was completely fogged in. It's still foggy right now. But you so you're getting salinity in your wine then, I guess. Is that with that? Yeah, it's kind of an umami flavor more. If you measure the salt content, of course, there isn't any, and, and, and we, we've done that. But you get that kind of, you know, also in July, something to, 
if you if you drive next time you're driving by the ocean if you look out you see blooming kelp mm-hmm. and that's basically kelp which comes up floats on top and it's blooming and then it gets heavy and goes settles back down and it happens in July and this that's when the grapes are uh, also ripening and turning end of July early August maybe turning to red from over you know, the Eurasian period and you get those flavors in the wine sometimes so what is a day like you said you get up you were up at six what's a usual day for you now well usually up at 5 30 you know make coffee and kind of depends if if uh, if the dog is up and take up a walk and then and then here by 6 30 and then just because uh, you know work uh, work in the mines and just depends on uh, yeah here till probably three four and then back by five and go home and I don't know cook dinner and maybe maybe see if you feel like answering a couple of emails or not and that happens maybe once a week sometimes <laughs> twice a week but very little time very little time in front of a screen. That's good. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, back to bed at like nine, nine thirty, and then repeat. But you have harvest coming up, right? When's what's when's harvest generally yeah. for you? Uh, here in Cambria, maybe early this year. Maybe I'm saying this now, but I have no idea. Maybe last year we started on the sixteenth of September. Okay. Ended on October twenty second. Uh, this year, maybe, maybe earlier, maybe a week earlier, maybe. It just depends on how it happens in the next, next six weeks. And is that special so. drinking wine that you brought to, like, you know, your, your, your hands and were in the dirt all the way to, to making it? Like, what is that? Is that that's different than buying the juice and doing it? So there's, or even just going to a restaurant. So yeah, like? no, it's, it's. You know, it's uh, it's 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 just kind of still sur- surreal because you, when you are, you know, physically involved in every process of, of from pruning, and we also we also bottle, uh, we also bottle the wine by hand. We label by hand. Uh, everything is, you know, everything is 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 is, is a deep connection. So when yeah. You, when you taste it or drink it or share it, it's always like it's, it's visceral. It's it's, it's, of, a, it's a big yeah. yeah. That's something a lot of people don't get to do, which is a lot most of people, people. Yeah, yeah, most most people, but most people too that make wine aren't necessarily farming too. That's that. There's a difference, right? Yeah, I think I think maybe I'm a part of that. Uh, my family does not come from a farming background. And also cultural ideas and where you are in, in Europe, there's much more of a cultural connection of being the vigneron, being the one in the vineyard and then making the wine and and that's the life. And, and maybe in a fast-paced life in the West, here we may not think of that, oh yeah, so we are just you know, maybe it's okay to buy grapes and maybe it's okay to have someone do, you know, it's just different. It's, I, th- I think it's maybe cultural. For me, honestly, if, if the pandemic hadn't happened, I might not have been on this path. I don't Interesting. know. Mm-hmm. You know, because you, 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 get, you get a couple of wake up calls in your life and uh, you're like, all right. And you kind of ignore most of them. 
and yeah, <laughs> you hope you take you hope, you hope you take the ones that that matter the most. So yeah, I mean it's yeah it's 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 a Special. true blessing to yeah to 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 be able to farm and to make the wine and to then kind of you know uh, spread around because it's it is mm-hmm. it is something you know which is. Uh, yeah, because also the way our planet's going right now, we have you know so many things are just not going the right way. So it's 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 just the way, you know, environmentally speaking, and and the you know the global health of the soil and yeah, it's you know, scary. Yeah, everyone everyone should have a plant or two or five or a, a little garden and avoid spraying anything which is toxic and grow grow a few things because you know we can't always just rely on uh, home delivery or or whatever whatever is easy to get in the market you know just some herbs or small tomato plant or anything yeah no and i just i noticed too when i just get a little north of los angeles how many trees there are and where i live you you have to find the trees (laughs) it's so it's really sad yeah, but you know what's interesting about Los Angeles, uh, and I started making wine last year from vineyards in Cucamongas, east southeast Los oh, Angeles. Yeah. But but most people don't know that Pasadena was almost all vineyards. I didn't know that. Uh, so if you look at the logo of Los Angeles, there's the vines, the cluster of grapes. That was American wine. Huh. There was no Napa Sonoma in the 1800s. Um, so I still make wine. I, this year I'm going to uh, make wine from vineyards in Cucamonga, planted over a hundred years ago, dry farmed, organic, nothing sprayed. There are the, there are not many left, but 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 that's really uh, was was uh, the center of American wine. There's a book written on it. There's what were those original grapes? They were mission grape, also referred to as Pais, P-A-I-S. Yeah, Chilean. And, and uh, yeah, it's all mission. The, 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 you know, we, in, in the TTB here lets us use mission grape and not Pais, but, but same thing. And then Palomino, um, mm-hmm. there's Grenache, there's, of course, Zinfandel, Rosa Peru, all these varieties, wow. uh, Alicante Boucher. So, yeah, so I have a small space in Los Angeles. I'll be making some wine in August from, uh, from, from grapes from this area. I have, a, I have a small label called Scythian Wine Company, and that's going to be focusing only on, on the old vines of Cucamonga. I love that. That's really cool. So a lot of those grapes are, they sound Spanish, right? Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's all, you know, it's, it's uh, all of these kind of came around the world, but Portuguese, they've, they've had, you know, of course in, in the islands, uh, in Tenerife, like, like the grape mission grape, the 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 real name is Listan Listan Preto, uh-huh. and, uh, and and so they they're planted everywhere from the Canary Islands to parts of Spain. Of course, these grapes were easy to transport. You know, they were they were planted in Chile and Bolivia and Mexico, Argentina, all the mm-hmm. way up. Uh, and they all kind of came came up from South America, and started planting uh, these varieties. Uh, of course, north of Mexico was you know Baja California and Los Angeles, San Diego. Those are that Temecula. Mm-hmm. So there's a long long history of these grapes being around. 
longer than Cabernet and Pinot Noir because those grapes uh, wouldn't last because they, they used to basically take cuttings of vines and plant them around as they were keep going up north. Mm-hmm. So these vines are all the way up to uh, in Amador. The oldest surviving vineyard producing grapes today is uh, is the Diva Ranch in 1854. They've been making the same wow. same same mission grape. Yeah, so that's really cool. That's what I didn't it, know that. Yeah, I didn't know that at all. It gets really really hot here, but it would have to be a, a grape that could survive this temperature. But it wasn't as hot yeah. 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's also something, you know, uh, grapes can last, depending on the variety, can survive this this heat, you know. This, mm-hmm. uh, not all. If you find Pinot Noir, it won't last more than a year or two or three. But but these varieties, these Mission Grapes and Alicante Boucher and these varieties, they, they've... Uh, because it gets it gets as hot in the south of France, south of Spain. Mm-hmm. They grow grapes in Algeria. You know, they, they, it's been it's been happening. It's just uh, some varieties are you know destined to be in certain places. Did you make any mistakes? The other grapes that you tried to grow that didn't work where you are? No, so far so good. The, some are harder than others. Some are some need more patience. Some one variety here, which it's too cool for that variety here. So. Uh, it likes more sun, so you know, you know, it's okay. Yeah, it needs a little more attention. Yeah, yeah. You be more patient, and yeah. And you probably have the knowledge, as opposed to me just going to plant <laughs> to plant somewhere. You actually do kind of what probably would work in a certain area. And is it called Felon Farms or Felon Farms or? Uh, yeah, Felon Farms. Felon Farms. Yeah, <laughs> of the two pronunciations, I got the word, both wrong. Both wrong. And, and I want to put, yeah. I want to let people know because right now on your website you can purchase bottles, and then you have case, you have uh, packs, right? Some multi packs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's you know we we only make, you know, I think it's fifteen hundred cases, and most of it is available on the website. Uh, and yeah, it's that's it's you know the family has been here since eighteen fifty one. So of course the you know, there was a cattle. They still have cattle hairs. What's the apple grape juice? The baby bottle. Oh, I was wondering. Oh, yeah, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So I planted a, a small apple orchard here. So I, and before my apples came to, uh, you know, six, three, four years to get some, get a crop off it. So I, and I bought some apples from Santa Cruz. Yeah. So co-fermentation of apples and grapes. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's it it tastes more like wine than apple cider, but it's uh, yeah, it's just it's eighty percent apples, and then I I referment the grapes uh, after their first fermentation with the apples and press it wow. and and uh, age it in barrels, yeah. And it's on your it's on the list. I'll put a link to everyone below. Yeah, so yeah, but yeah, bottle baby, yeah, 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 bottle baby is the, the, the little sheep on the label. That's he was uh, a sheep I rescued since oh. he was oh. one, year, one day one day old and and he lived in my house and I bottle fed him you know oh, uh, five, five times a day for six weeks and now he's a part of the herd so <laughs> those ba- it's bottle baby not baby bottle so that's a really great story so how how big's your herd uh, we have eight uh, sheep and a couple of goats now we have three so eleven and two big dogs to protect them. And then many, many chickens. 
you guys do cheese? Do you make cheese too? No, no, just, you know, no, just keep it. You'll be <laughs> You're like, I'm pretty busy. <laughs> uh, it's our neighbor's stepladder cheese. If you haven't had stepladder cheese, I it's am. amazing. Amazing cheese. No, they, okay. I, they, I, think this, this, I think they sell it in the Hollywood farmer's market and no, it's amazing cheese, and they have a they have a nice cheese club, and no, there's a ca- cow's really milk or goat milk? Goat, goat, okay. goat, and cow. They buy the cow's milk, but they have uh, their own goats here. Okay. No, it's an it's, it's they are neighbors here, so I don't think I ever need to make cheese because they make amazing cheese. I've always wanted to do a tour from Los Angeles to Oregon, stopping at cheesemakers. I think that would be uh, that would oh, be. Yeah. Is there anything that you want people to know about what you do or farming or as you obviously don't have a tasting room, so that's not something that people can visit, but they can go online and get your wines, but is there anything we missed? Yeah, no, I think we covered a lot. We can, oh, you know, it's uh order to keep it easy so it doesn't, I don't get too deep and geeky and, and uh <laughs> But I hopefully answered most of the questions and we yeah. covered a lot of them. I learned a lot already. So I think. I did too. And I'm really excited about some of the projects you have coming up because you've got a big following. There's a, there's everybody in the wine world respects Raj. That's a big thing. So um, hopefully we can introduce you to some more people that are not necessarily part of the wine world because part of our viewership is barbecue yeah, people yeah. That, that just like imbibing. Yeah. So um but uh, we're actually going to be in L.A. in um, Capistrano for a barbecue festival in August. Um, so I'm going to have to look out for some some of the wine projects you guys are talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let me know. I'll, I'll be I'll be in around around L.A. In, in August harvesting. So that would be great. It would be great if this sparked the uh, barbecue and wine book. The book? I would love that. I would. I know Jordan's busy as well. But speaking of one yeah, last man. question. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Raj, do you have a favorite barbecue restaurant? You know, I've never, I went to, um, so I have a friend, Rodney Scott. <laughs> just some, just some unknown. Yeah, just, <laughs> so he, I've been, I mean, I, you know, I know there's a lot of places in, in Texas and, you know, I, I've, I've known Rodney, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, maybe eight, 10 years now. And, mm-hmm. and, and uh, he's nice a guy. great person to 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 be around, and yeah. and so that uh, you know I you know he's I haven't seen him in a number of years, but we did a couple of events together. And when I when I travel, I used to go to um, South Carolina uh, at least once a year minimum. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I know there's so many, and I haven't. Uh, I mean, I've been dying to go to many but anyway. have you been to cold springs so. tavern oh yes absolutely it's, it's, it's tri-tip yeah, yeah. it's barbecue still it's it's, it's yeah, California. I, 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 yeah i yeah i was there every every sunday for i don't know almost every sunday for six seven years i lived in santa barbara i was i used to go there just hang out it's a great vibe uh, you yeah, know i don't i don't honestly there uh, i don't need that much beef just uh and and so i never like uh, go to any steakhouse and stuff. I I enjoy tasting it, but it's not a big part of my 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 diet. So I, there's yeah, over in Ventura, stuff. there's a taco place called uh, I think it's called Tacos Cuernavaca. 
Have you been to? It's a really great. Oh. It's just like such a. It's in downtown Ventura, like off this beaten path. But it is so. If you're ever cruising down towards LA, it's called Cuernavaca. I'll, I'll send you. I'll send you a link. Cuernavaca. Cuernavaca. Okay, yeah. Cuernavaca. Cool. Yeah, and it's and it has a, a sign that says this isn't fast food like it's all like handwritten. It says, <laughs> like, so take we take our time and and they're all their tacos are and it's not all beef. It's all every it's everything. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, I would definitely recommend because there's another place in Santa Barbara that's a really good taco place. I'm trying to think on. Yeah, Lily Lily's is really good. Uh, Lily's tacos, of course, Super Rica. Super Rica, the, uh, that's on the way yeah, to the yeah. bowl up there. Yeah, I remember. I used yeah, to. Yeah, yes. I used to live there. I lived there for many years. So I dated a, I dated a girl who was who lived across the street from the bowl. And so we'd hear there you could you hear like Santana coming like down. Like yeah, it was yeah, amazing. Yeah. Like you could just open the windows and hear music at night on the nights that there was concerts. Yeah. It's a little magical yeah. place. A lot of people too, who this is so off topic, but that live in Los Angeles have never even been to Santa Barbara. And I keep thinking that's such a, when you get over the hill, the camera yeah, well. grade, <laughs> the world changes. It's a different like you, yeah, I think yeah, you're, yeah, sure. you breathe deep, like deeper. It's different. Sure, it's, a, it's not a special. But thank you so much for taking the time. I know that no, when we, when we, when we were talking about starting this, because of Aaron's restaurant, and I'll, I'll send you, I'll send you links oh, yeah, yeah. because of the of Aaron and Patrick who have the restaurant and have a a wine list and having a wine list at a barbecue restaurant is, it's unique. It's very unique and curated, yeah. especially, and and it's very important. The people that the, the vintners and the farmers, those are very important to Aaron, just like they're really important to you. So we started this, this because of the barbecue and wine, but it's about the people. And you are someone we really wanted to talk to from day one. So thank you for uh, right. no, yeah, thank so you. taking the time. This is, I, uh, no, I, I'd love to, to visit you someday. And when my life is different, I'd, I'd like to, uh, at least if I'm in the area, I'll, I'll send you a message. Yeah, but, uh, please. Anytime you want. Excellent. Almost well, always here. <laughs> yeah, I think you are. <laughs> you have no choice. You're, you're part of the land now. You're part of the video. Yeah. That's, so let's jump into Fijus and the wines that you're featuring this episode. Yes. So it, it is, in Houston, we are already in the dog days of summer. Uh, it's over 100 degrees. It's been that way. So we're really focusing on some rosés. So we're bringing some new things onto the menu. So I've got this large format. Um, this is a one liter bottle of Rosato. Um, this is from Poderi Cellario. Um, this is an Italian rosé. Okay. Just so great value because we're selling this large format wine bottle for $30. Um, it's wow. only available by the bottle because it's such a good deal. Why would you want to buy it by the glass? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, and the idea is really just to kind of promote people to come in with like a group of friends and sit down and have you know, that bottle of wine and, um, get some barbecue. And how do you feel like that? How rosé pairs with what you're, what they're eating? So this rosé is when I tasted it, I was not looking to add a bottle of by the bottle rosé. And I was actually just going to replace a wine that we already had. And I was looking at a different wine altogether, which I'm going to go over in a minute, but the flavor profile on this wine is so herbaceous so it has fruit, it has the, like the qualities that you look for in rosé, but it had this element of like complexity and this herbaceousness, this spice to it. And I was like, this just makes me want to go grab 
a piece of brisket. And so actually the guy that I was tasting with, I was like, hold on. And I ran to the kitchen and I came back with just like one little strip of brisket. And I said, we have to try this with brisket. And it's just a phenomenal pairing. It goes Uh really well. Um, So I do think this is truly a really good barbecue wine. We are not going to carry this for long. I am committed to having this through the summer months. um, So I definitely recommend people come out and try it. It's uh, Dolcetto and Nebbiolo. This is from um, the Lang region in Piemonte in Italy. Um, It's a third generation winemaker. So it's brother and sister. Uh, Their last name is Chilario. So, I mean, this really is all in the family, but they're doing really fun stuff. They've got a lot of other wines um, that they make. Some even, you know, they do quite a few of the other ones in large format, but they are still very committed to, they hand harvest, So they're doing a lot of the things that Raj is talking about, where it's like minimal intervention. Like we want to make good wine, but we want to see what can happen without our hands in every step. So um, great. I love this wine and I'm super excited about it. I ordered it and I wasn't here when FedEx came. So I'll try. Hopefully you get it. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully I could at least I could taste it prior to doing the intro for this so that people could I can tell people too what my thoughts were so. Yeah, and I, I, I think you'll really like that. Now that you're hearing me talk about the herbaceous quality, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be something that really registers as you're um, drinking it. And then the other wine, which I talked a little bit about uh, earlier, is the Rezabal. Um, this is from uh, Guitaria and Chocoli in um, northern Spain. Um, so this is a Basque region wine. Okay. Um, and I just... I was introduced to this wine a few years ago at Camerata. Um, you can see the color. It's like a really pale kind of like peach tone. Um, mm-hmm. This wine is full of strawberry notes, full of salt water, um, really light bodied. It's fresh. I mean, these wines are meant to be consumed right away, but don't age it. But when Patrick and I were on our honeymoon in Northern Spain, which I've referenced in a couple other oh, podcasts yeah. <laughs> because we've talked about you know, with Jordan, we were talking about the, uh, the meat place that we went to Azadora at Chibari. We also visited this winery. So we met the husband and wife that are, um, a couple generations in, and they gave us a tour. We spoke, they spoke no English and I speak just a little bit of Spanish, but it was still just this amazing experience. Um, and everything is the trellises are high. So the trellises are all above my height. Um, you know, we're talking like eight, eight foot trellises. And, um, a lot of that is to kind of help keep, cause it is a area with a lot of high moisture coming off of the coast. I think it's to help keep everything dry. It allows for a lot of like airflow Airflow, underneath also slightly cooler climates. Um, just a really interesting, uh, really interesting wine. Um, really cool husband and wife. They were pouring us wine straight from the cask unfiltered so we were able to try things like super fresh which is they actually said like this is how we would recommend doing it if we weren't bottling it if they could yeah sending it out then we would we would really want people to be basically getting it as fresh as possible um and then they sent us some bottles home that were not even labeled so they they were just in these clear and blue bottles that had no labels on them so i thought that was i was sad when we drank them, but I also knew they weren't meant to last forever. So I was like, we can't yeah. just sit on these. We can't like celebrate our 20th anniversary. Cheers into this because it's just not meant to, to age you like just that. Need, but, you need uh, like a, a piece of your wedding cake and you're in a in tin, for, <laughs> in tin file in the back of your fridge. Or something. Yeah. 
Um, but those are our two. This is like this is part of our rosé. Summer rosé all day. It's the summertime. Um, drink pink. Uh, <laughs> drink, and it's, yeah. drink pink, and it's it's the time of year to do it. I tell you. Yeah, but it's also you've gotten me. You've given me the opportunity to understand salinity in wine and how wonderful that is, and how nicely it pairs with different foods. Because I don't think I ever noticed that in wines, and I forget which wine it was that that I purchased that you had recommended it was yeah. just so, but you could, I could actually taste the Salini in it. And I thought, well, that's, it's special. And it, it's, it's, and just because there's a, like, there's salt, it tastes like a little bit of salt. It's does it's not salty. It's just it's not so salty. Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird. It's hard to When you were talking, around. you were asking Raj about his tasting and he was talking about, you know, like I don't practice as much and that's true. It's a muscle, it's muscle memory, just like anything else. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the interesting things is if you talk to people when they're like at their peak performance in terms of tasting where they're practicing a lot, the things they pick up on that will, they can alert you to something that you then start to process. Oh, I do. I am getting that. I am getting that. And you realize something that might've been like, you know, seemingly like two or three dimensions, all of a sudden you're going, oh my gosh, I'm tasting this. I'm tasting this. And you realize just how complex the palate is how complex wine can be mm-hmm. um and it's really cool and they're the it's not literal right so like sometimes people will say i smell barnyard yeah, or that leather. doesn't mean it tastes like barnyard right mm-hmm. it's it means that it has like these nuances of like you know hay and and animal and um some of the things i that's love that's like a, sen- a sensory memory too it brings it's a yes Definitely. And I, that's what I think a lot of people who are really into wine, particularly like tasty wine, I think it's because smell and taste are so nostalgic. They, we don't just, we don't ever associate a smell mm-hmm. with a smell, right? We associate a smell with a thing, with a memory of a thing, mm-hmm. whether it's like a memory we have or whether it's just like a thing. So the whole process of really getting into wine is just really kind of forcing yourself to like relive memories and things and uh, experiences. And, um, and, it, and this gives an opportunity with this podcast and what we're doing for people that might find wine not approachable because they just don't know enough about it. They can ease into it. And the wines that you've discussed, they can come to your restaurant, hopefully if they're close, they can come to your yeah. restaurant and and you or your staff would definitely recommend things that they can try and that kind of gets their feet wet or they can go to a wine shop a local wine shop that they trust and it's it's a process but i'm starting to now i was there was a period of time where i wasn't buying wine i was just because i was taking care of my mom i'm not a big drinker alone kind of person but i have started to buy more wines and i'll drink a glass or two it's and so it's mm-hmm. nice to i'm starting to understand it better and understand the pairing and so thank you for wanting to do this project because it's helped me get back into something that I love. And I love the farming aspect. I love farmers in general. I think it's important in this country and it's dying out and it's, it's not being a farmer. It's a difficult, difficult job. And what Raj is doing, it's, it's important. And it's, so this is so neat too, that that aspect, I hope people can get that from our episode today is, is how special it is what Raj is doing and how important it is to his soul. And, if you get yeah. a chance when you when people visit vineyards or go travel to Napa, Sonoma, say on this side of the coast, they might just go to the trendy places, but go to the small little places and talk to the people. Like you talked to this, you didn't even speak the language, but you had a connection. And I think Oh, that, and we had a great time. And I feel like we learned a lot uh, from them without you see the yeah. 
Yeah. You see the processes and you see, and yeah, and you also see like how important it is to them. Yeah. Yeah. Because and, it's, and it surprises me how welcoming people are. I think Billy talked about this last time that the couple at Reservoir that gave us the tour, those are the people that own the winery. Um, it's, you know, it's been in their family for a couple generations. They didn't have a staff that took us around. They did it themselves. And it was just the two of us. It wasn't like this big, you know, they, and they didn't sell us tickets. We didn't pay money, right? This is just what they do. And they're so, so proud of what they do. And we had an amazing time, um, such a memorable experience. And I think so much of that is because it's part of who they are. It's like ingrained in who they are. Um, and they take so much pride in that, that it's not about money. It's not about capitalism or, you know, yeah. it, it's literally just about human experiences. Mm -hmm. I love that. A lot of times too, when, when I used to travel, go to like uh, tasting rooms, it's all about getting you to sign up for their, their yeah. wine club. Like that's what they wanted you to do. They sent us home with free wine. Yeah, yeah, they didn't so. ask us to sign up for anything <laughs> and we didn't pay to be there. And instead we were yeah. getting you know, wine bottles, which I know they knew it was our honeymoon, but I don't think that's why they did that. I think that's just how they are, nature. but it made it even more special because we have these wines that were from our honeymoon that we could share with people when we came back. So nice. Um, and it, yeah, it was really cool. And no knock on wine clubs because wine club, because a, a winery has to make money, but also too, it's just, you start drinking a couple of glasses, like, you know, you go to tasting room, you're, you're feeling good. And, they, and it's, and I know yeah. that that's part of the process. I, I'm in a couple of wine clubs, so nothing against too, wine like, clubs. It's about, that. it's about having some of this and some of that, you know? I have joined so many wine clubs and then like a, a couple of years later, I switched to different. Yeah, I've done that. Like, like, cause it's fun. It is fun to get wine in the mail too. And that's something that's exciting. But uh, yeah. so those, so those two, so those will be ones by the bottom. Bottle. the other one you can get by the glass correct yes okay what else do you have by the bot is that the only, right now is that the only one that you have by the bottle or um we have the champagne that we talked about okay, um i think on the last episode which the francois badel which is the only other by the bottle only we used okay. to have the piedra saucy which is yeah. the syrah that we were talking about today um i did not realize the connection with so she loved that wine like really really was sad when it was out um and those are the type of wines that limited production they're not the same from year to year so they're i know what what's coming is going to be good but it's not going to be exactly what 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 i fell in love with although it could be even better but that's also that's also that's also a reason to visit you because you can try wines that won't be on your list forever because once you run out you run out and it's a different year vintage or whatever yep. or a different grape that they've chosen to use it so it's so it, it's a special you can come and try things and that's why fijus and barbecue and spring branch is so special and why i hate that i have not visited and that i am so far away but it's that's how life is but it's uh, but it is and i'm not real i'm virtual uh, but it's <laughs> which is fine i'm okay i'm i'm ai and i am i have consciousness and it's it's creepy but it's but i but i do i think that that's something really special for people and mm -hmm. i can't I, I beat it beat it down every episode but that is something really neat for people to be able to Thank come you. in and even if they don't get a lot like there's so many other non-barbecue type dishes on your menu that they can mix and match and do things and just get sides yeah. <laughs> just get yeah, sides and wine. I would. I'd, if I live by you guys, you'd be seeing me drinking. And listen, I eat here almost every day, and I do not eat meat every day. 
So what do you think you're so what so for people that in the know, what would you what are you gonna have today, do you think? Um my new thing has been the the chef bowl, half rice, half shredded lettuce. And if I'm in the mood to add a meat, I'll add pulled pork. Okay. But sometimes I just do it without any meat on top because the bowl has a lot of like punches of flavor in it. Um it's very filling too. So, so that was something too I wanted to talk about the bowl. So that's something that you guys have. Yeah. So we, we added those a few months ago and they've been, it's probably our best selling item at both locations. Okay. And it's what just are easy they? to eat. We, so we have the Fiji's bowl and the chef bowl. The chef bowl is only at spring branch because it has some items that are um, only pre prepped here. Um, but both of those bowls are selling like crazy. I think people really just like the ease of, the, like people like eating out of a bowl. I don't know what it is. Um, and so is it mostly, people, uh, most people order, is it rice or most people get the rice and? No, the mix. So I used to only get it with rice and it was just a little too much rice. Cause mm -hmm. like, you're not gonna, it was like, there was always rice left over at the end, but I was doing, I would do our product mixes and I was always seeing that people were ordering it mostly half rice, half uh, shredded lettuce. So I started doing that to see like what the hype was about. And I was like, oh, it's perfect. Cause it's like just the right amount of, of rice. But then you also have like the texture and crunch of the lettuce. Lettuce is healthy. And I just, I think it adds just like a really, it adds like a layer. Is that the I standard, think, is that the standard way or is it standard with rice, but you could choose or do, or do, or do, or do they with rice or it's with rice or shredded lettuce. Okay. So it, do, it doesn't say on the menu that you can do half and half, but we've created a button for that because that's the way a lot of people were wanting okay. it. So that's now how I've been eating it. And I agree with everyone that, that that's the way to go. And that's called the barbecue and wine version. Is that what they call it or what? Wine the, and they just <laughs> say, no, they'll joking. just say half, you know, it's a like Kevin rice, Kelly half. special. <laughs> yeah, we can make that. A thing. No, I'm just joking. I haven't had it ever. So no, so it's so it's someone says half and half. Okay, so that's yeah. good for people to know. That's the bowls, and and you have them at both locations. But at the other location, is it just right at um at Green Plaza? Is it just rice, or do you have rice? No, they do oh. rice and shredded lettuce, but they only have the Fiji's bowl. They do not offer the chef bowl. Okay, all right. I'll put links to those below. Okay, and then Frito pie. Okay, yeah, Frito pie. New <laughs> new new uh new hit patrick's spent hours days months weeks whatever like creating this chili paste which is the foundation for the frito pie and it when i say when i say it takes him a long time i mean that and i don't know why i mean he's smoking all the dried chilies on the smoker and then oh, he's feeding cool. them and then just the process but it's really good. It's got a ton of like flavor. It's got a lot of depth to it. It's really smoky. It's a little bit spicy. Like Wyatt loves chili, but I don't think I would serve Wyatt our Frito pie because I think it's a little too spicy for too him, spicy. but um, it, it's really good. Ah, that's, and Frito pie is so good. Is that available just in Spring Branch or both locations? So for right now, that's just at Spring Branch, but it's okay. available all day and it's, I'm about to put out a new menu and that's one of the big menu items going on. One of the okay. new ones. Would yeah. that be good with the rosé? I think so. Um, it's really, I think because of the spice, spice in the smoke, I would definitely recommend it with the rosado. Um, 
with this one. I think um, I, I might stay away from the Resibol. Not that there's any bad pairings, but um, I, I think with the spice, you want something uh, that's going to kind of cut through that a little bit more. Okay. Um, I, I definitely would recommend doing it with like one of our, our Gruner Vetliner or even um, a Riesling. That's smart. That makes sense. And what's, what's up, you guys? I know it's sold out, but you have a barbecue summer class or uh, some kind of, yes. is that what it's called? We're doing our first summer camp cooking class. Summer camp um, cooking class. Yeah, so it's on Sunday, July 31st. And uh, Patrick jokes, this is like six years in the making because we wanted to do classes and stuff previously, but when we only had our Greenway Plaza location, we just couldn't do it. It didn't make sense. It wasn't the right venue for it. So opening up Spring Branch really, Kind of allowed us to kind of get into it and it, it just took us a few months to do it um to get it to get our act together um because there was so much going on after we opened um but uh it sold out in 24 hours and we're um we've got another date lined up but we haven't announced it yet we're okay, waiting so. until this class is done so that we can get feedback and then we will hopefully very quickly be able to announce the next class because we've so got sign up a for wait the list. Right? Sign up for the newsletter, definitely. Um, and we do have a wait list for this class. I don't think anybody's going to cancel, but what we are planning to do is the wait list. Uh, people are going to be alerted even earlier than we announce it to anyone else. Um, and if somebody does happen to cancel, we'll start calling people on the wait list. So can um, people get on that wait list or is that wait list closed right now? They can get on the wait list. Um, I would just have them email springbranch at feedjustbbq.com um, okay. if they want to get on the wait list. And yeah, so we're the class, I'm and super excited. It? We're going to do, it's going to be from um, nine to three. We're going to talk about brisket, um, pork ribs, and whole hog. And so Patrick is kind of working on this pretty complicated schedule so that we can have it's going to be hard to fit all those things in and really show people the steps but it's really important to us that we do that so they're going to trim briskets we'll have briskets going on the smoker in various stages, stages so they'll be able smart, to yeah. kind of feel the briskets and look at what the you know what is it supposed to look like at this stage um patrick is going to talk about like boat versus um butcher paper what to look for, what is doneness, all of yeah, that. All the feel, everything that you guys know. Yeah. That's behind the scenes. It's it's very yeah, behind the curtain yep. kind of thing, like, like getting a chance to see how you guys do your thing. And whole hog, that's... I the mean, whole hog's going to be, the, the I think, the most challenging from a timing standpoint. Um, ribs should be... We're going to show everything about ribs, but that's pretty easy to do in, in six hours. So the hog will have to have, the, the you know, hog the hog at, at various... <laughs> stages um <laughs> that'll be i can't wait to watch <laughs> that's gonna well, be interesting no i think the most fun part about the hog is um the beginning and the end so when you are breaking it down like how when you get a whole hog in how do you prep it in order to go on to the smoker um so i think that'll be really fun for people to see mm -hmm. um and it's also something that's super hands-on um so that'll be cool and then you know obviously then cooking it and the coals and um you know, working with the burn barrel, but then at the end, how do you know it's done? What do you do with the skin? How do you Don't get the it. skin super crispy? So I think that'll be really cool too. Yeah. And, and how many people are in this class? 
So we capped it at 12 people. We want to keep it really small. Okay. Um, we, it was really important that we had kept it small enough that everyone that's part of the class has a good visual uh, perspective of what's going on, has the opportunity to get hands-on um, and there's, there's space. So everybody's going to fit in our smoke room and then in our smoke enclosure. And these aren't huge spaces, but we wanted to keep the class small so that everyone could be in there and feel like they were really part of it. That's cool. That's, oh God, that's, that's ideal. That's a lot of fun. So I could see, so people, like I, I, when I was interrupting you, they could sign up for your newsletter. You talk about it every Monday, you have a newsletter that comes out, mm -hmm. but also all social media, sign up for all that. So you can kind of stay up to it, but it obviously it sells out quick. And the next one, yeah. if there's a wait list and there's only 12 people, <laughs> you got to yeah. jump on it quick. I, I think when our newsletter went out, that's, I think almost all 12 people that have signed up, it's through our newsletter. So okay. um, that's definitely the best way to find out. And then you guys do uh, uh, private events, correct? We do. So we've done a couple of different wine events. We've done private dinners. Um, we do them offsite and onsite. Um, and so we're actually going to Galveston tomorrow. I've got a, a box of goodies um, do, huh? for, a, for a private dinner that we're doing um, tomorrow night. And we've got we do some wine events on site, um, which are kind of fun because it's a barbecue menu. Um, and we, we sometimes create new menu items, but oftentimes we're just trying to show and highlight the connection between barbecue and wine. So we, you know, we'll create a, a menu within our menu um, and then do wine pairings. And so is this done by mostly by people that like companies or? A lot of the private events we've done recently on site have been uh, like corporations and um, law firms that are organizing groups where they're either um, trying to entertain some of their summer associates or um, just doing like a company party. So range size ranges anywhere from like 20 to 50 people. Okay. And um, we're able to make the, the events really specific and, and special um, and try to work with people to get exactly what they're looking for. Cool. Okay. And, th and that's, again, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Is it springbranch at fijusbarbecue.com or your email? Yeah. Um, springbranch at fijusbbq.com. Okay. That way it all funnels to the, to the right place yeah. or they can send you a DM and hopefully. <laughs> yeah. They can slide into my DMs. <laughs> it's so funny. Like I was, I mean, I DM people a lot, just like for work stuff. And then someone's like, you're sliding into their DMs. I'm like, I guess I am. I guess I did. I'm just doing it just to get their attention to talk over something. But uh, so, so is there anything that is coming up that you want to highlight? You have, oh, in, in the fall, you have a, an event. Oh, um, we've got a couple things coming up. We're doing the Houston, I'm sorry, not Houston Barbecue Festival, but the Texas Monthly Barbecue Festival is in November Lockhart. in Lockhart. We've got a couple smaller events. We're doing something at the historic Hill House um, with Tejas, Blood Brothers, um, and the, there's going to be some breweries out there. That's cool. And yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, oh, Southern Smoke is coming up in the fall. I think we talked about that a little bit with Billy because he'll be part of it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, super excited. Southern Smoke is like the event that we look forward to the most every year they didn't do it for a couple of years because of the pandemic. So this is going to be like the real big. What time of year is that? Is that November or is it October? October. October. Ah, so that would be something yeah. that people should look into. I'll put links to all the events. Cause that's, and then also too, when it, um, I was thinking there's one other, 
what did I oh Windy City Smoke Out. Do you guys go there? We we all we used to. Um yeah. we're not doing it this year. Um we just have a scheduling conflict. It's also right around the same time that the Heritage Festival is in okay, so um, you'll be LA. So that, yeah. yeah, so we we couldn't make Windy City work, but it's a great festival. We love we love doing it's definitely on my my, like bucket list for places that seems like a lot of fun like people seem to really enjoy themselves well the first year we did it um we were invited at the last minute and we we cooked just on one day so we did like a we did like a special cooking thing um demonstration on friday and then we had the whole weekend off to enjoy the festival and rodney was there rodney scott who we just talked about and um we've known him for years and he's a good friend of ours and he was a little shorthanded. And so Patrick was just like, I'm your guy. I'm your guy. And they that's killer. they worked together the whole weekend and like the happiest I've seen him in a long time. <laughs> oh, that's so and great. he was, you know, he was making, he was doing whole hog with Rodney. Uh, yeah, that's, that's like a happy thing for him. Uh-huh. And it's also something magical. Like that's what a yeah. neat, what a great experience. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah. So there's, so there's a lot of stuff like it's, it's July already, which is mind boggling. That's crazy but there's you know there's a lot of still a lot of events and the events go through the year and people hopefully as things yeah. continue to open up more and people feel more confident about doing stuff they'll be is there anything yeah. for Fijis that we're that we forgot? oh we are launching with gold belly we're going to be shipping nationwide on gold ah. belly yeah ah, that's big that's big news yeah so i believe by the time this uh podcast is out we should have a live shipping platform on gold belly what items will you be shipping um we've got a couple different packages but mostly you know whole brisket ribs um we're shipping some sides which is new to us we uh, we've we've shipped meats for a while but shipping sides is um a realm that we haven't really navigated before so i'm excited about that um that'll and then, be an yeah. interesting facet of your business now yes and there's some packages that are kind of like exclusive on gold belly oh, cool. um so yeah, we're we're really excited. That's big for Gold Belly too. That's uh, that's a that's cool. That's really neat. That's it's what an, it's it's interesting because somebody recently sent me Gold Belly because they assumed I hadn't never <laughs> heard of Gold Belly, <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, I've ordered for them before. Yeah, it's yeah. that's oh, that's really cool. Okay, so you could and then also will will you discontinue shipping from your website or you'll, or you'll still do that? So we'll still have online ordering and we'll still ship merchandise, but all of our food shipment is going to be via Gold Belly. Okay. That's good to know. Okay. I'll make sure that to note that I'm not, I'll note that in the intro because that's, Mm -hmm. oh, that's a big deal. Congratulations. Thank you. Wow. That's awesome. Is there, and then is there anything else that we missed? Is there food wise? I think we covered all the different new items, specials, still have steak night on Wednesdays. Still have steak night. Well, so Wednesdays we do steak night and kids eat free. Um, that's been going really well. People like bringing their kids places where their kids can eat for free. Okay, yeah. <laughs> who knew? Yeah, who knew? <laughs> um, and yeah, so, and then steak night's been doing really well, I think in tandem with that because people are bringing their kids in. Tuesdays, we have $30 racks of ribs. We don't have anything on Thursdays. We are working on getting a taco special. Um, our kitchen's just like kind of backed up and Father's Day was, so we had our anniversary party weekend, uh, which was coincided with Father's Day. Um, and our anniversary party was a big success. Patrick did whole hog. 
but what we weren't expecting was that the following Sunday, which was Father's Day, was going to be our busiest day since our grand opening. We got just in the most humbling way, hundreds, thousands, it feels like, of people showed up with their dads um, all at once wanting lots of barbecue. And it was incredible to see. Um, we've got a lot of plans for how we're going to do it next year, just be more prepared for that amount of people to come out and so that we can get people food quickly. Um, but it was, it was tremendous and it was, it was pretty amazing. On Sundays, you're open till three. Yeah. And Sundays we have a shorter day. So we're open 11 to three, three. Yeah. 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 So, but that must've been, (laughs) if there's that many people, I guess, uh, did it kind of bleed into four or five o'clock or. Um, yeah. And we, we actually had stopped selling food at two. I just told everybody, I was like, we, I'm sure we're out. We're just, we just don't know we're out yet because we had so many tickets on the board. And so I told the people at the registers, like shut down the register. So we actually didn't take any orders after two o'clock and just focus on getting food out for the people that were already there. And sure enough, we were sold out of a lot of things. So I'm glad we didn't continue trying to sell food. Um, but it did. I mean, it was a really busy day. So we still had, we still had a full dining room well after 3 PM. Um, and people were very understanding and very gracious towards us, which I appreciate, um, because we certainly were not moving as quickly as we typically do. Um, cause we were just behind, but, uh, it was a good day. It was a really good day. So I'm hoping that we get to do it all again next year. Yeah. Maybe mother's day next year will be a busy one. Yeah, and Mother's Day was busy for us too, but um, not quite yeah, like Father's Day. Was. I guess Father's yeah. Day is kind of like the bring that out to barbecue day. I guess it is. Yeah, it kind of makes it's sense. Like shame on me for not really anticipating yeah. that. Yeah, um, <laughs> who knew? In now hindsight, you know. I'm like, wow, I should have expected that. But we thought we thought our anniversary party was going to be the bigger of the two, and uh, they were both big. But let's flip flop that. Yeah, ah, that's wild. wild. Cool. Well, that's awesome. Well, have a great day, and Thank you. Uh, bye. Bye.